Hi, everyone. This is Carolyn from Second Serve. Who is excited about the French Open? The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris, and you can watch every court live on Tennis Channel Plus. You can watch it on your phone or smart TV live in HD. So you can watch it at work or while you're waiting in your kid's carpool line. Live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. You can be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. Hi, everyone. Have you ever wondered about league regulations? Like, how do they decide the number of courts played per league or the number of matches you have to play? Do you guys like the new rule at nationals for over 40 that you play four courts per match instead of five courts. We are so excited to have Liz and Alicia here from USTA Nationals to tell us about this and more. So Liz, can you tell us how you would change a league regulation? So the way that our our rules work, we actually have a national league committee. And on that league committee, we have a regulation subcommittee. And so they're actually charged with um, voting on, deciding, and like doing all the language for the rules. And then the full league committee is the ones who actually vote on whether or not that rule will go into place or not. So a lot of times I think folks think that like, oh, if they call me, that I'm like able to change a rule. And it's a, right. <laughs> it's a process um, for We're sure. going to ask for your cell number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, I've got a couple suggestions. Liz. Right. No, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but well, along those lines, though, so the way that it works is um, every fall, um, we open up for regulation proposal changes and it's open to all the way down from players, you know, through our sections. And we do encourage if a player is, you know, wanting to put something through that they reach out to their section link coordinator. So it would be like Chris Walling in your guys's area um, to kind of help them vet through it. Cause there might be a, a reason that the player doesn't know about of like why we, we can or cannot do, you know, something like a bylaw that might prevent it or whatnot. Um, but we've had several suggestions that have come up through players. Um, and so then it goes through, our section league coordinators. So all 17 of the section league coordinators get all of the proposals. So everyone that is submitted comes through them. We don't kick any of them out, you know, at the very beginning. Um, And they take them back to their sections and they take it back to, you know, their EDs and their presidents and their section league coordinators and their local league coordinators and their, you know, committees. And so tons of people have input on these. And then we do um, early in the next year. So usually um, early January, we'll do a straw vote with all of the section league coordinators and they kind of say, hey, this is how my section felt on this. And then then it goes to a regulation subcommittee, which we're actually in the middle of that right now. We talk through the proposals and we look at, you know, what other regulations it would impact, would not impact, you know, what might be some unintended consequences of it, you know, is this going to help grow tennis, you know, things like that. And they kind of whittle down, um, what they think has some legs that might actually be beneficial, you know, for the program. And then um, I think tomorrow is our call to vote on those. So I'm actually not a voting member of regulation subcommittee. I'm just the, the staff person on it. Um, and then it goes to our full league committee um, at the annual meeting, which will be in April this year. And they're the ones who vote on it. But I do get lots of questions of, you know, I played a player on Thursday and then we found out she hadn't registered for the team yet um, and she didn't register until Saturday. Like, what do we do with that match? And so we have, you know, some guidelines of, you know, how you overturn, you know, things like that. Um, get a lot of ratings questions of, you know, folks yeah, that are, you know, wondering about, <laughs> how, how come this player is rated a, you know, a three, five, they're, you know, definitely a four five because they beat my number one singles player. And, um, you know, so those things I actually direct over, we have um, Heather Hawks who handles our NTRP ratings. I don't know if you guys know Heather. She's amazing. So, so smart. Um, 
gets rating so, so well. And just, and she handles all the tough questions. Like you will ask her and she will answer them. She does not skirt around them and have an aha. So she's, um, she was, she's great with that. So I usually send the ratings questions over there. But uh, I actually have a call um, here in about a half an hour to talk with a gentleman about the 40 and over format that um, was put oh, yeah. into play, which I think you guys uh, mm-hmm. kind of adopted to. Carolyn's so we, not, but. Yeah. yeah, Carol doesn't know <laughs> about the new format. I know about it. I know about it. <laughs> yeah, so we had this new format that was um, intended for national championships only. Um, and it kind of came out of our surveys that we got from the 40 over groups at nationals. Now that we're playing four matches guaranteed, and then if you win, you play two more on Sunday. We had singles players who were playing six matches right. in 70, you know, 72 That's hours. Yeah, and yeah. they were they were dying and they were just, you know, yeah. the, the feedback from the captains was like, we love the number of team matches, but I just don't have enough singles players to, you know, be able to do six matches in a short amount of time. So mm-hmm. when the regulation went into place, it actually only went into place for national championships. And right. then we, oh, we allowed that sections yeah. and, then it and districts can do whatever they want. So they can continue yeah. to play five courts. They could go down to three if they needed to. They can play the four courts. Mm-hmm. And we didn't think as many um, areas would actually adopt it as they have. We're starting to see that it's uh, not a favorite format, you know, in some of the local areas, which I understand that there's some areas that have plenty of singles players. Um, so we really encourage players or anybody who's listening out there on this um, to really reach out to your local league coordinators and your section league coordinators and, you know, talk about for your area of what format would work best for you. Because we really do provide that flexibility for the sections right. in the areas to play what works best for them. You know, when yeah. this regulation went into play, it definitely was not a, everybody has to conform to this. We were really just looking at those eight teams from each sections who come and play a 40 and over event at nationals because we wanted to make it the best experience as possible possible for them. Okay. I have another question. Um, this is actually for both of you. Do you both still play USTA? And the second part of that question is, do you have anything like funny or interesting things that happen on the court? Like we always ask when we talk to people like you guys, like, do people know that you're league coordinators? Or do they like, you know, complain to you about certain things or say, we think you, you know, USTA should do X, Y, Z or. Because so. you guys are important. Exactly. Like, they, they, <laughs> do you want to start that? Yeah, Liz, you want to sure. take it? Yeah, so um, I actually am playing in a league match tomorrow. It'll be my first one in a year. Um, I'm back home in Arizona. This is where I was born and raised. And actually how I got started with USTA was with the Southwest section. I was a section league coordinator for them for three years before coming over to nationals. Um, I used to play a ton of tennis here. I was on every team that I could you know, sign up for and be on. And I had a great tennis community. Um, and then moving to Florida, I did play a couple of leagues there, but I just was so much busier with work, um, you know, with nationals and traveling in the fall so much. Um, so yeah, so still playing, very excited to get back out on the court with um, my first captain. That's who I'm playing with tomorrow. She's a really good friend of mine. Um, and then I think probably going to try to play some tri-level with my mom. So my mom plays tennis. Yeah. She's actually the oh, one who got me fun. into it. Yeah. So um, my funny story that, that goes along with playing tennis is um, I actually did not like tennis growing up. I played softball. I played competitively and I played through college. And my mom tried to get me and my brother into tennis. I think we were like five. And I just remember standing on this huge court and it was so hot. And the ball kept bouncing over my head. And the racket was like way heavy. And like our instructor wasn't great. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like take right. me home, you know. Um, and then I really never paid much attention to it. You know, my mom um, played a little bit throughout. But then when I graduated from college, I kind of needed something to fill that competitive void. I mean, in softball, you need 18 people to, you know, have a game. And my body just couldn't handle soft. I was a catcher and like my knees, I'd had a couple shoulder surgeries. My body was, was done with that sport. And uh, right. my mom was like, well, let's maybe take a class at the college. So we started at the, the local community college and 
I had just had shoulder surgery, so I learned to play left-handed, which I think was wow. best for me because I think I would, if I would have gone in right-handed, I would have got frustrated too early and been like, "Why am I not good at this?" You know, going into another sport. Um, so I think that was kind of a blessing in disguise um, with that piece. And then I was like, "Oh, they have these leagues," and so I just started captaining, and I captained every level. So I did, you know, forty and over for my mom's team. I did fifty fives for them too. I did eighteen, um, and that just kind of is how I fell in love with USTA. So. It's kind of my, my journey there. And uh, still to this day, like, you know, up here, um, my mom still captains a lot, but it, she'll she'll definitely be like, so we have this situation in this school. And what's the, you know, and so we kind of have like, we have like yeah. boundaries of like, I'm like, okay, we can talk tennis for 15 minutes. And then after right. that, we're going to be done because I've talked it all day long and I, I need a little bit of a break. But, yeah. Gosh. How about you, Alicia? Do you, are you still playing? And it sounds like you're probably working a ton as well, but are you able to get out and play? Yeah, I'm looking to join uh, a spring league in Florida. The spring spring and summer leagues are starting up real soon. Um, I haven't had enough league play since I graduated college to have any sort of a funny story. I played on a mixed 18 and over team, and that was that was pretty fun. Tennis on campus, I have lots of stories because I was playing that for four years. I was thinking about, do I have anything that funny that happened on the court during tennis on campus? And one of my friends who I played doubles with all the time during a college she said well do you remember this one time we had a tournament in Tallahassee and it was freezing cold that weekend I think the tournament was in January and it was oh my god it was I mean Florida cold so it right. was you know 40 degrees maybe <laughs> in the morning and but we were all freezing and so somebody brought hand warmers uh this saint brought hand warmers for everybody and i was warming up with the hand warmers like i would have a hand warmer in one hand and hit a forehand and then like kind of just try to switch it and and then <laughs> we started playing and i was like okay and i just put like my hand warmer in like my right the rim of my pants I guess and I was like okay I just put it right there and then we started playing and I forgot that I had put like my hand warmer in, the, in my waist and I felt my hand warmer start to like slide down the side of my pants while I was playing <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't like say anything I was like uh, how do I tell people that my hand warmer is like sliding down my <laughs> in the middle of a point and we ended up winning the match but that was interesting but that's funny most of my memories of playing tennis are playing with my dad and um, my my dad has played like his entire life and I he had me start playing when I was four and his parents played and I mean that's what we all say right that tennis is like a game for life and yeah. it really is like I played with my dad's parents I mean into their 80s their early mid 80s and wow. they're they're good they're they're, you know, can't move like they used to. Yes, you hit it for them, they yeah. know exactly what to do with it. And that was yeah. just a super special way to bond with your grandparents. I mean, I played soccer too, mostly growing up, and I'm not I can't, you know, play soccer with my with my grandparents. Right. But, right. But it was, yeah, it's it's a great sport. It really is. Yeah. We had a lady on that I had mentioned earlier that didn't touch racket till she was 56. And she specifically picked up tennis because her kids played, right? She had, Carolyn, she had yeah, three Yeah, Wendy even played in played college. Played in college, yeah. She never played. But yeah. when they all left, she was, you know, she was lonely. Um, and But um, I think she said something like they, um, 
you know, they asked her, what did you want to do for Mother's Day? And she said, we all played tennis together on Mother's Day. And it was like the best one she'll, you know, like it'll go down as like her best Mother's Day memory. So yeah, it's really, it really is a sport for life. And um, yeah, something that you can do with every generation in your family. Oh, yeah. And maybe you'll have like Liz who you can call and ask rules. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Liz, if I were you, I would, you know, every league match, I would like give a fake name or something. <laughs> I'm not Liz Marietta, you know, who oversees rules and rec. The first league match I played was when I had already been um, hired into this role. And I went into my first league match, like, should I be undercover? Like, right. I wear, like, a baseball cap and a mustache or something. And the other people on my team were like, nobody's going to know unless you tell them. Right. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Liz, have you been recognized? Has someone talked to you about well, it? When I was at the Southwest section and the section link coordinator there, I got it all the time. You know, and at nationals, not so much. Um in a sense, just because I haven't played nearly as much. I do, when we have teams that come from the Southwest section, they'll recognize me as their former coordinator. And they're like, hey, you know, we, we know you, you know, kind of deal. But um, yeah, it's uh, kind of, I've been a little bit more incognito um, now in the national role when I'm playing because no one knows who I am. So, which is fine. I'm good with that. <laughs> I thought your funny story was going to be that your mom introduced you as a USTA national <laughs> person. And you can talk to her, Liz. Now. Right. My mom totally oh, would yeah. do that. Yeah, my no. mom. Me, my mom. <laughs> my yeah, my and my parents, and if they listen to this, they'll laugh at this. But they, you know, because they're so proud. They're like, This is my daughter. Right. She works for USTA National. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. Right. <laughs> they're gonna With your baseball me cap on. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks again to Liz and Alicia. We had so much fun talking with them and we learned a lot as well. If you'd like to see a picture of Liz and Alicia, please check out our Facebook page, which is Second Serve Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you on the court soon. Hey, Second Serve listeners, this is Erin. Carolyn and I are so excited that the second slam of the year is happening this month. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the French Open, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch it. Tennis Channel Plus brings you courtside with three weeks of unparalleled access, and they do this with every single court live. Watch on your phone, your smart TV in HD, or like I do, on my iPad while I'm sitting at my desk working all day. I love to flip around to different matches on Tennis Channel Plus to see my favorite players in action. Don't miss your favorite tennis legends battle a new generation of talent and watch exciting new rivalries emerge on the historic clay courts of Roland Garros. If Carolyn and I can't be in Paris in person, at least we can watch all the matches on Tennis Channel Plus. Daily coverage begins on Monday, May 20th. Be there when it happens with Tennis Channel Plus. I know I will be.